Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is episode three of the podcast Boricua. In this episode, we will be speaking with Liam's grandmother, Anna, Joe's mother. Um, Anna was born in New York, um, later again moved around the East Coast with Joe after he was born. Um, today, she lives with Joe um, in their home in Independence. I will say there are a few things Anna says in this episode um, that obviously may not be culturally sensitive anymore. I chose to leave them in because they obviously speak to her experience and her point of view. Um, it's nothing too heinous. I just want to warn everyone. Um, she does um, use the term China, um, which is a term that um, most people choose not to use today because it's very um, stereotyping and sort of mixes together all Asians into one group, um, which is obviously not appropriate. Um, but I just want to let you know that that's in there. But thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're here today with Anna Harshoff. Thanks for being here, Anna. Um, Anna, first question should be easy to answer. What year were you born in? 1951. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about your parents, where they were from, what they were like, stuff like that? Okay, my parents, um, they, they met. How they met? They met... Um, my father was in the army. He's uh, Italian, and I recently found out Italian and German descent, and he's Puerto Rican. And he was in the army, the United States Army, and he would they would do um, what's called maneuvers in the, the, my mother's backyard. And he asked my mother for a cup of water, so that's how their relationship started. And she's Puerto Rican, and um, and of Portuguese descent. I just found that out. Um, but they're originally from Puerto Rico. And were you born on the island or were you born in New York? I'm a native New Yorker. Um, I was born, New York has um, five boroughs, boroughs and um, there's a borough called Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And at that time in, in the 50s, um, the only hospital, I was born in Staten Island. And then I went to live um, to my father's Italian uncle's home on Broadway in New York. On Broadway, it was across the street from a theater, and my mother would sit and, in the window at night, and she would watch um, Lucille Ball mm-hmm. and her husband, Ricky, um, come out from the theater back, back in the 50s. I was all alive. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, we they moved to the Bronx to spanking brand new um, projects in the Bronx near Yankee Stadium. I could walk to Yankee Stadium. What sorts of friends did you have growing up? Did you have lots of friends? Yes. Well, first, growing up, you have your family as your friend. Mm-hmm. In the Puerto Rican culture, you, you have tons of cousins and whatnot. So the friends we had lived in the same complex that mm-hmm. we did. And um, mainly the first friends were um, babysitters, children's. Okay, for example, my sisters, I can have friends. That at that time in the 50s, New, the Bronx was of, of predominantly Jewish, okay? And the families that came in were poor, the poor Irish, the poor Italians, the poor Puerto Ricans, and um, like that there. And um, I had friends in school. One little girl was from Switzerland, and she wore little short skirts, and she, we thought, you know, 
we didn't we were like leggings and all that but oh she was just with silly little cute blonde girl and then um my sisters had friends and for example she had I had a birthday party and she had a graduation from school party at the same time june and august combined because i was born in august she graduated in june so for examples our friends her friends were like donna italian patty irish and it just went on like that mm -hmm. like different nationalities within that same vicinity mm -hmm. growing up raising their kids but then i'm also um being a predominantly catholic um fam we have family friends that we consider them like family like for example there was a family that um i don't oh i recall how they met they met because um before we lived in the projects i'm sorry we lived in what's called spanish harlem mm -hmm. you can kind of edit that um we lived in spanish harlem and um my mother went to work right away after she had me and um my they sent for my aunt from puerto rico to stay living babysit us so we lived here in this apartment and another couple and their children lived in this apartment so I, she has so many kids that i escaped and went crawling to this other apartment crawling yeah and the lady picked me up and she stood with me all day long and so when my mother came home from work she says where's annie because they used to call me annie annie and um the, my aunt said, oh, she's with that in that other apartment. And I was there all day long. And um, she's with this lady. And, like, she didn't then go, go over there because they were black. So she was scared. I don't know why. Because my aunt was a little clueless. But um, anyway, um, so my mother went to pick me up. And um, it was the same lady that my mother had been doing laundry and and the, they would put the clothes out on the roof. This was in Spanish Harlem. This is Spanish Harlem, you're familiar with? In New York, it's a community of, uh, um, is it ethnic? Of ethnic, and it's, it was all Hispanics back in the 50s. That's where they came to live. The community, the food, everything, the grocery stores, the bodegas, mm -hmm. all in Spanish. And so that's where we lived before the project, mm -hmm. before the books. Um, so, I was in this apartment with this lady, and it so happens she had my mother had been doing clothes and come down the steps, and my mother slipped that she was pregnant and she helped my mother. Now she was Puerto Rican also, so um, a fast friendship started with my mother. She was like, "Oh, do you have my daughter? You don't know all that like that there." So she said, "Yeah," and then um, they she said them something they became fast friends, and um, my parents asked them to christen me. And um, what happened with her husband was in Puerto Rico years ago, when he was in the service, he went into a chapel to pray to God, and a priest went by, and he was doing the incense and all that. And he passed by him, and he said, since when have you ever seen a black man praying to God? And he got up, and he left, and he never returned. And so therefore, when my parents asked him to christen me, he said, I'll do it for, for the girl. And he returned, he went back to God, mm -hmm. to church. The thought me it was Catholic, but he went back and he did it as a favor to my parents. And um, so that I was kind of like keeping heart, you know, I would say, you know, that was a turnaround gesture for him. Mm -hmm. From being insulted because he was black to doing my parents a favor of christening me. Mm -hmm. And we became fast friends and um, his daughter, I'm still friends with her and it's been over 
Um, it's been over 60 years, and we were still family friends. We're not, we consider each other like God sisters and God, you know, mm-hmm. Godfather, my Godmother, like that. And very tight, very, in a Puerto Rican culture, um, people who christen each other, they christen each other's children, and then um, sometimes it, they become, most times they become what's called, um, I, I know they call godparents in Catholicism, but they call co co parents like co madre, co madre, or co padre. Mm-hmm. That's what they. That if anything happens to you, they take over. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was that? Okay, so now, so that that was a close friend. You said friends that I've had mm-hmm. growing up. Those that that family, I I still know them. I still keep in touch with them after sixty plus years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have I had other sort of friends mm-hmm. um, that I grew up with. That um, in my neighborhood, it was a very like I said again a very mixed culture, and um, we had a family friend, and he was called in the Puerto Rican culture when a child is born, like Liam's, mm-hmm. um, dark like Liam. Not that he's all dark, but that color, they it's like a prize. They go they they'll say. Because um, the Indian blood, they call it like Indian blood will come through. The, um, they, they'll call a child, they'll say, oh, el indio. They'll mm-hmm. say, wow, that's great, you know, because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like that, the, the, that's coming through. But um, we ha- so we had a family friend that was called el indio, and he had a mohawk. And we're talking 1950s, 50, you know. And my my uncle was his friend, and he, my uncle took me wherever he went, and um, he said, "Let me take." They used to call me Annie or Latina because my eyes were like this, and I had straight jet black hair, so I looked. I suspect, which I uh, um, I looked like a China, like a little China doll, so they called me Latina. So he said, "Let me take her with me." So we went and. Um, he took me to a reservation. The guy's family lived in a, on a reservation. This Lucy, 1953, and they had TPs and everything. And this was a friend of the family. So any that's kind of people we grew up with, or people that were. Yes, they were native New Yorkers, but they were still they had still a lot of culture mm-hmm. from where they came from. Was mm-hmm. still alive and doing well. We also had Italian friends in that neighborhood where my father was a cook and of Italian descent and we had a store, we had a bodega and my father would cook for these friends and they would have a, a feast uh, like a block party and my father would cook for them and then they would sell what my father would and they all knew my father, it was kind of like a Don Corleone type thing, they was called him Don Natal, that was our family name Natal and it was the only book name in the New York phone book, the only name, and them And we surprised ourselves on that, but that was a, and enough late I found out it was Portuguese, a Portuguese, it was adopted, an adopted name. So the family friends that we did have, um, yes, I have all sorts of friends. Some, you know, they went to drugs, some were heroin addicts, a lot of the guys in my neighborhood got messed up on heroin, and they were the guys that hung out in the corner, and sang doo-wop mm-hmm. and all like that there. And then the girls that we grew up with were 
family friends also that they, the parents christen each other's kids and um, some of the girls, um, one of the girls became a heroin addict, one of them, her name was Lulu. And I also had a friend, her name was Denise, and she looked like, um, oh, um, I was telling Joe the other day, in a, in a movie, um, The Secret Lives of Bees, did you see that? No. Um, you didn't see it? No, I didn't see it. Okay. No. But are you familiar with... Um, a little bit, yeah. Okay, the girl that played the, the mm -hmm. girl that was coming of age. Mm -hmm. I forget her name. Anyway, she has blonde hair. My friend had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she was a Puerto Rican mm -hmm. parents. And um, so her father was dark. Her mother was like Grace Kelly blonde. And uh, they went to the south, and she was... Okay. Her, her mother could stay in a hotel... They went to Georgia. They passed Georgia to go to Florida. And um, her father and her sister couldn't stay in the hotel because mm. they were dark. And her sister had green eyes, but she was like Liam, mm -hmm. 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have friends from all walks of life that went through a lot, mm -hmm. either you know positive or negative. But um, And they were the type of friends that it was like, you see that child? You know, that's a good example. <laughs> Don't mess up like that guy, you know, stuff like that. And um, friends I went to Vietnam and didn't come back. Um, we had one girl in our neighborhood. She was a friend of my sister's, a friend named Jeanette. She had green eyes and she was freckled. Her father was German and her mother was Puerto Rican. And uh, she was the first girl in our neighborhood to get pregnant. And her, her boyfriend was in Nam, but he survived. He got, he got back. He got shot, but he got back. But we lost a lot of guys and um, mm -hmm. a lot of our friends. Mm -hmm. So that's all I can tell you. I can't think of anything more. No, that's good. Thank you. Up. Okay. Thank you. Um, just a little bit more about, um, so we talked a lot about um, New York. Um, when did you move away from New York? And how were, like, these different places, how did they affect you differently than, like, growing up in New York? Okay. Sort of? um, I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> okay. When did I, I moved away from New York. I was I was 18. 18. I left home. I thought, like, Rhoda, this show. I left home, and my mother said I ran away, but I really, I moved out. And um, I eloped with his father. And I was 18 when I left New York. Moved to Pennsylvania. So it wasn't too far, only a couple of hours. And um, that's it initially. When did I first leave? Or yeah, New York? and just you can talk about like like from then on where all have you lived and oh, stuff like okay. that. Oh, yeah. okay. So then um, when I left, um, my brother-in-law, which we were really close with, um, he made a, a like a cassette tape, and he said, "Well, Anna's moving to the New England tri area, whatever," and um, like that there. And then from from Pennsylvania, I never I never went back. I left in seventy, nineteen seventy. Yeah, and um, from there, from Pennsylvania, I didn't live too long. I mean, live too long. Yeah, live too long. Um, so I, we moved back to New York when when I was gonna have the baby, mm -hmm. and I was gonna have Joe to Queens. That's when we lived in Queens with um, mm -hmm. Joe's grandmother, and um, we lived there. And then um, we moved to a place which is renowned in, in Queens, which is called. Far Rockaway, there's a beach 
in Queens is it's called Rockaway Beach with these humongous waves. And um, so we moved from there back to Pennsylvania for a while. And then uh, in Pennsylvania, I moved myself. Mm -hmm. And um, we went back to live to New York. And, and then I was a single mom by then. And we lived in New York, back to the Bronx. Horrors of horrors. <laughs> it was it was bad. It was uh, uh, an apartment across the... Uh, it was called Grand Concourse. That's a very pop, another popular place. And from there, you could like... You could hear when the, the Mets won the World Series. And um, I think it was 76. And um, you could hear the people roaring in the stadium and everything. Mm -hmm. You could hear the announcements from the stadium. You know, it was like so close. That was only a couple of blocks from Yankee Stadium. And so when you live in a uh, place like New York and you have Yankee Stadium, the Statue of Liberty, um, the Christmas tree, Poseidon, the um, ice skating, all that, it, to you it's like second nature. It's like you, you don't go there, you know, because everybody else goes to New York. Mm -hmm. So before I left New York, my sister's husband, my brother-in-law, he took us to the Empire State Building, mm -hmm. Joe and I and all my nieces and nephews. And um, you go up and you're on the 80th floor and your ears pop because mm -hmm. it's like the height, mm -hmm. you know. And they say you have to chew gum in order for your ears not to pop. So you go out and it's, the hallways are windy mm -hmm. and, and you're on the 80th floor and um, you go on a platform and it has um, people have jumped. It's on the 81st floor. So they have these like gates and they're like this, like all these things like that. Mm -hmm. I go, and you look out and you um, see the Holland Tunnel. And um, here's the, the river and the Holland Tunnel is like a piece of junk. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Holland Tunnel, and you see taxis going in and out or cars, and they look like ants, the size of ants. That's New York for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then we, he took us there. He says, you're a native New Yorker and you haven't seen these things. He was the kind of guy that um, was... Um, that he was telling me, Anna, if you can chew gum and walk at the same time, you could drive. He was a, an encourager, mm -hmm. okay? So, and very young and very animated. And my sister was more, like I told you, she was a book right now. She was more quieter, subdued, and more a head person. He was a heart person. Mm -hmm. He was like, we could do it, let's do it yesterday. So he used to, he took us there, he took us to the Statue of Liberty, and he was the, 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 Thing where she holds her hand mm -hmm. that was being redone, and my nephew, she you know, he ran back down. It was like, oh, but he took us to the Statue of Liberty, and uh, he um, he had a full life, he led a full life. When David and um, Liam just told me the other day that you went um, kayaking, he um, he he told my parents. He was the kind of guy, um, the reason I'm telling you this, because his life made, made a big impression on our life. He told my, he, after 40 years of my parents living in New York, he told my mother, pack your bags. He had the ticket for them, and he, he brought them back to Puerto Rico to visit. Wow. And so they were really close to him, mm -hmm. more so because he was of Puerto Rican descent. Mm -hmm. He went to Nam. I mean, my sister met him when she was 14, so they were childhood sweethearts. And uh, he was really close to my parents. And Joe's father was saying to me, oh, they don't want me because, you know, I'm Irish and all this. 
and they want him better because he's Puerto Rican, but I didn't, I didn't see it that way. It was just that was his personality. Mm-hmm. And uh, subsequently, um, on my birthday, okay, so I moved. I left New York, and I moved to Connecticut, and I was at my own, on my own, single parent. And um, we lived to Groton, went to Groton, Connecticut, with Joe subsequently began school. I had a good neighbor next door. Her name was Paulette. She had Joe still in touch with her sons, and I'm still in touch with her. Um, I didn't drive because native New Yorkers don't drive. <laughs> we have public transportation. We have subways and cars and taxis. Mm-hmm. So I didn't drive, so she helped me out a lot in living in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I was Connecticut. I became a Christian in Connecticut. Um, so from Connecticut, um, I met Andy, and then we moved to Rhode Island. And then from Rhode Island, we went to California mm-hmm. when Joe met Rebecca in college. And 20 years in California, and I'll tell you, of all the places that I've lived, and I cried when I left Connecticut because I had a lot of friends there mm-hmm. and everything. But of all the places that I've ever lived that I loved the most, my heart was California because of the, the redwoods. I loved California. I loved the, the climate was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was family there, Rebecca, her family, and, and had Joe and the boys. California was the, and you know, and Andy was happy there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the California was the best. Yeah. You go back to Yeah. I think there's a lot like, of things about California that Kansas oh, doesn't, was, ha- or yeah. Missouri doesn't have, so. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, only because I haven't gone out. I'm sure, I'm sure, Ms. I'm sure this area is really nice. Yeah. And uh, but I haven't seen any lakes. I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. any ch- I've streets I've seen, but I haven't seen a lot of the nature of this place. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I do, I'll be able to you know appreciate it more. Yeah. And like that, but um, of all the places, twenty years, but I, you know I loved California the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, you know. Maybe not I could say it, but I didn't love New York much. I loved New York when I was younger. Yeah. As a child, and you know, I was carefree and wild, and you know, fun city, you know, happenings, shopping, <laughs> you know. But, um, and Connecticut was nice, and Pennsylvania was beautiful, but, um, California was the best of all the places I've lived. Okay, that's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> sorry, no, that's good, that. that's good. Um, so, uh, now we're on places a little bit. Have you ever um, visited the island? Um, and kind of what was your experience like um, if you did visit? Visit Puerto, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico, yeah. Okay. Puerto Rico, okay. Brought up in the culture, the music, the the food, the holidays, everything like that. So um, you're told you're Puerto Rican, you're Puerto Rican, you're living in New York, and you bodegas, everything around you is very cultural. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I um, busing came in the sixties. I'm sure you're familiar with the busing system, and they started taking kids out of the inner city, <laughs> like they were doing us a favor. Mm-hmm. My sister went to a high school that was all Puerto Ricans because it was more in the inner city. Yeah. And then they gave us three choices, and the like. I I picked out three choices of high schools, and um, the one that was to me was a. a a high school outside of the inner city. <laughs> we would laugh. 
because we were like, oh, because we have to get out of the ghetto. <laughs> we would laugh because this is all we ever knew. And, mm-hmm. of course, people would think, oh, you're so sad and so pathetic and so poor and everything. And we were like, yeah, I don't think so. Because my mother would be like, she had plants and birds in um, Lynn. And she, I guess she missed the tropics, mm-hmm. right? So she would look at them and watch us downstairs. And we could go. We couldn't go around the building. We'd have to sit right there. And if we wanted to go to the store, we'd go back. And um, so, I'm sorry. I'm going off on the no, tangent. Good. Well, we you said about the, the... Did you visit the... Did you visit oh, when the I visited the island. Again, okay, yeah. so you're brought up in a certain way, in a certain culture, and you're thinking... Oh, this is what being Puerto Rican is. And, you know, your parents tell you stories and um, uh, tales Mm -hmm. of the ocean and mermaids and all this stuff. And you're like, ooh, you know. And then they tell you stuff about when they grew up and everything. And, again, my brother-in-law took them after so many years. My mother hated it because they were like super highways Mm -hmm. and stores, even Mm -hmm. Even after they retired, and my brother-in-law, okay, my brother-in-law, the one that I told you, that was a wonderful person, he, um, on my birthday, he told my sister, my sister had bought a house, and, um, you know, my sister was the American dream, the house, the dog, you know, the two cars, no, she, <laughs> Millie, you know, um, so, um, and she went to college, you know, the whole bit, so, um, they came back, and they got married and everything, and, um, a year before I got married, had Stephen, his cousin, but um, so let's see, I'm going off now. Um, going back to Puerto Rico, then she went when my mother went. Um, he took her, but it was like all super highways, so she didn't like it. And then he passed away. He told, he said to my sister, um, it was my birthday. He said, let's meet for dinner. He told her, because she was working, he was working, and and let's meet for dinner, and then we'll go to Connecticut and surprise Anna for her birthday. This was August 9th, August 10th is my birthday. Um, So she said, okay, and at 1 o'clock, she didn't hear from him, and um, he said, he, he used to go scuba diving. He went to the lake where he was certified. He went scuba diving, and um, that's why I say went to... Um, Liam told me about going um, kayaking. My brother-in-law used to do that. He went, they went to um, Made of the Mist, um, the waterfalls. Mm-hmm. They went to um, Aruba, the trade winds. They went up to um, the Virgin Islands. They went to Puerto Rico. They came to California. Came to California. See, like I'm so so the Disney World or Disneyland or whatever. They um, they traveled a lot. They they did um, in. In all of his short life, they lived a lot. Mm-hmm. So the last time I saw him, he dropped me off at an Amtrak because I lived in Connecticut. I used to come back to New York. And he got stuck on the train, but he got out. And um, he had turned 30. He said, now I'm a 30-year-old man because he was a 30-year-30-year-old man. And that was the last time I saw him. And um, he went scuba diving. My sister went, and she didn't meet him for dinner. So she went with her girlfriend, Annie. She's an old family friend of ours. She went out dancing. Because my sister's boyfriend had a club, and we used to go dancing. We used to dance a lot. Or we did a lot of the disco. And he, she, did, she was mad because back then they didn't have the cell phones. She missed the call, 
And then they all winded up in my system, my older sister's Carmen's house. And um, my folks were at home. And um, they said, um, they, they called on the phone and they, they didn't ask, are you seniors? Are you by yourself? Is there anybody else in the family with them? No, they just told them, we have your son-in-law here. He drowned. He went scuba diving in the lake where he was certified. And he drowned. Mm. And he died. And um, 30 years old, tore the family apart. I mean, it was like the end of everything because he was he was the glue that kept everybody together. And um, they told my folks. My folks flipped out. They were by themselves. And Millie, meanwhile, went with her girlfriend, Annie, to the club, which was Carmen's boyfriend's club, dancing. And my brother-in-law's in the morgue. You know how mad I was at her because she's always this thing <laughs> know it all have it all you know but um and his last the last thing of his heart was to come and see me in connecticut so he died on the 9th and my birthday is on the 10th and um you asked me what about the family what were you asking so, i was asking you about if you ever visited puerto, puerto rico. rico and so um so that's what happened there and then oh my, then in that case, how did I get to visit Puerto Rico was that because of this room in my family, they decided that my sister Millie told them she had the house and the owners who built the house lived right next to her. So her house was pretty safe in the Bronx. It was a nice little house. Uh, the first one in our family to own a home, okay? Because we were all so poor. <laughs> we were all so poor living in the ghetto. <laughs> But um, anyway, so um, like I said, she was the American dream girl. Um, so my family decided 40 years living in New York, never, ever, we never went to Puerto Rico in the summer. All our friends did. We didn't have grandparents. They were gone. We didn't know our families, our cousins or nothing, but they were in Puerto Rico, right? We had one uncle in New York. We had cousins with him. My mother ne never reconnected with her sisters. They were like... They were over here. It was like when Puerto Ricans came to New York, they cut off everything off the island. They were like, a lot of people had grandparents, so they went back. But my parents had only two sisters, my mother, and she never. we never knew much about our family on the island, was to say. So there in New York, my sister said, why Why should we stay here? Larry's gone. Um, why are you going to stay living? And the projects was getting bad. I mean, bad. I mean, we're talking... Elvis in the ghetto, you know, it was really, really bad. It was like, you know, gunshots, drugs, the whole bit, rapes, everything. So um, they decided to move and they went ahead after 40 years. And it was a shock for my mother to move back because it was nothing, nothing like, like she left behind. Mm -hmm. She left, when she left, it was all country. There were no super highways, right? And it was all country is called fincas like people owning land mm -hmm. el campo you know like way out in the woods mm -hmm. you know so when she went back she hated it <laughs> they bought this house they bought the house that my brother-in-law grew up in they bought it my father paid forty thousand for it and rosie was his sister this this girl he came from a family of 13 so if he didn't open his mouth, he didn't eat. I mean, his father owned the bodega too. My father owned the bodega. His father did too. But um, 
he he put all his kids through college. Larry, Larry, my brother-in-law, and um, his sister Rosie. She was um, a social worker, and she um, she um, what's he call it? When you're in social work in New York, you get to meet a lot of people. So she used to eat, have lunch with the mayors, like Mayor Kosh. I don't know if you've heard of Mayor Kosh. Anyway, Mayor Kosh, yeah, he went to, to an apartment in New York in Grand Concourse, and he said, and he was in his 60s, he said, I was born in this building, right? And this guy yelled out and said, why don't you try living in it? <laughs> so this is, anyway, so Rosie, that was his sister. So my father bought the house from her, and he went like, he said, $40,000 cash. He bought it outright cash. But my sister, Miss Slick, she put it in her son's name at my father's house. So the whole family was like, ah, you know, I didn't care, you know. So they had a little house in Puerto Rico where my brother-in-law grew up in. And my mother used to have a, a dream that she had a house and it had a horseshoe shape. This is my mother's dream. She dreamed it all the time. When they bought the house, it had a horseshoe shape in the back. And my sister built an apartment. My sister Millie, who was widowed at 29, they um, built, she built herself an apartment upstairs with like a balcony, really nice. And so and it was a corner house. So it was very, you know, it was costly because they say corner houses are more valuable. But he paid 40000 cash. He just, and Rosie said, I was shocked that night. He just went, shoop, 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 shoop. My folks both worked hard. My father, when he came to New York in my birth certificate, it said he was a dishwasher. And um, and that kind of made me want to cry because I think, you know. But um, he went on to work in the Waldorf Astoria. Are you familiar with the Waldorf Astoria? Mm -hmm. And then from there, he went on to the 51st and 5th Avenue, which is like la-di-da-da, um, to the Americana Hotel, and he became head chef. So this, you say that Joe cooks good? And I say, like, that was talking about Liam and Joe's genetic genetic memory now. Because his grandfather was a good cook. All mm -hmm. the boys, not the girls so much, but all the boys, he taught them how to cook. Mm -hmm. And Joe, Joe says that he remembers going up our house on Christmas by the scent of my father's cooking. Mm. Up to the elevator and um so, okay, so they had this little, this big house in Puerto Rico, which we never went to. We were only bought, we, um, there's a saying of, by New York Puerto Ricans or Chicago Puerto Ricans that are uh, descendants of, we don't say descendants of, we just say we're Puerto Rican, mm -hmm. but that are descendants of Puerto Ricans that um, Puerto Rican, we weren't born in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico was born in us. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Rosie, Rosie says that. Rosie, I forget what her name. She's so skanky. <laughs> Rosie, she's a she's a star. She was a dancer. Um, so she, yeah. And um, oh, another thing I want to share with you is I'm, I'm writing this down because it's coming to me. Um, so we we say that that's just a saying. Mm -hmm. um, but we, like I said, okay. So then on my fortieth birthday, I told myself, okay, I'm forty years old. Forty, I was already old. <laughs> I told myself for my birthday, and I told Andy, he says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to Puerto Rico to see my mother's house, 
you know, to see everybody over there. And he was kind of surprised. He said, well, go ahead. So I packed up. I said, no, I didn't pack. Somebody let me a suitcase because I had never traveled before. It was my first time on a plane, <laughs> okay? So you talk about, you know, I was so scared. And um, so I got on a plane by myself and everything. And um, for the first time, I wasn't afraid because, you know, and my mother... I don't know, have you ever seen the Golden Girls? Mm -hmm. Okay, you know the mother Sophia? Mm -hmm. When she walks around that big park book? This was my mother. Small, dark, and scary. Judge Judy. Okay, that was my mother. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. That was my mother. <laughs> my mother was a whippersnapper. My father was more like Joe. Mm -hmm. He was a big softy. One, one time I had a friend that I was dating a guy, and he met my father, and he shook his hand, and he said his hand felt like a cloud, because that was my father. My father's Italian. I mean, he taught us how to take care of ourselves, and don't mess with nobody. Nobody messes with you, but he had a temper, and that's how I am. I'm real quiet, everything, but I have the temper on the side, and my mother was a Judge Judy. I mean, she was like, don't even look at her sideways. Start cleaning the house. You're bored? <laughs> clean so anyway so I went so I wasn't scared to fly for the first time because I knew that I was going to see my father mm -hmm. not so much my mother because I was like, uh, we had a, a very turbulent relationship me and my mother because she favored my sister my sister looked and acted a lot like her I said my sister was a narcissist it was all about her um and that's Millie the one that became a, a widow mm -hmm. you know but um so um, so I was very close to my father, and even in temperament and in look, mm -hmm. my older sister called me, she looked like me a lot. We were like medical twins. She would tell me, get ready, this is going to happen to you, and a couple of years down, it would happen to me. Mm -hmm. My feet were swelling the other day. She had feet swelling. She had a heart condition just like me. So she was like, as I separated at birth, and in between her and me, and me were common. But... um. So, um, so I, I went to Puerto Rico. I flew, and on the plane, when we were getting ready to land in Puerto Rico, they have this thing. They changed the meals, in mid-flight, they changed the language. Oh, okay. They changed the language, <laughs> and they said because seventy-five percent of the people on the plane were going back to the island, and mm -hmm. or if you were. Not a native, you're going on business, you know Spanish. Mm -hmm. So they would change the, the language, and the meal was arroz con pollo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a main staple. I grew up on arroz con pollo, burabichuela. Okay, mm -hmm. that was the main staple of Puerto Rican meals. And so I went, and that, there was a girl behind me, and she says, This is your first, la primera vez. I'm going to, you understand Spanish? Mm -hmm. She said, La primera vez que viaja a Puerto Rico. And then I said, Yeah, see. Sí. And um, she said, "Mira," and she and, and we were landing, mm -hmm. and she and you could see the palm trees, right? Mm. Because when there was part of Puerto Rico that that I, we flew by, it was like a strip, and I said, "That's not all there is of the island." Then there was parts that it was all um, hotels, like the um, the Hilton. Mm -hmm. um, it was a hotel strip and the beach, and I'll tell you something about that. Um, first time I've been to Puerto Rico. Um, she said, mira las palmas, and they were swaying. Mm. And when you land, for some reason, it always rains, like a cool-down rain. 
And so it was raining when, I, when we landed. And she, but I remember her telling me, and I told her, where are you from? Because Puerto Rico um, has names um, uh, in the island of places that are either indigenous, right? And or Spaniards, Spanish. Mm -hmm. So we flew into San Juan, which is unbeknownst to me, we went, my sister had taken me to a, a plaza and there was a statue. And I said, ¿Quién es ese? And she looked at me like, oh, I don't you know your own cultural history? I did it. And she said, that's um, Ponce de, Juan Ponce de Leon. Mm -hmm. And I said, why? She said, he was the first governor of Puerto Rico. I said, why? I said, I thought he, he um, found Florida. And she said, well, he found Puerto Rico too because they set him down here and he was the first governor. And it was at La Plaza de Ponce in San Juan. And I was like, okay, how stupid do I feel? <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm Puerto Rican, New Yorker, you know, but I didn't know a lot of the history, mm -hmm. okay? So, um, yeah, so we landed, and um, when we got there, my sister went and picked me up. Okay, Miss, <laughs> she goes, because she drove the car, she had the house, she had the dog, you know, the whole bit, right? So she was the all-American girl when she was stateside. Oh, when you leave to, um, I saw a sign, and it said, you are literally outside of the continental USA, and I said, Holy Hannah, what did I get myself into now? But when you go to Puerto Rico, okay, there's one thing, and I show you a picture. Now they don't have it anymore for political reasons, whatever. They have the American flag, the Puerto Rican flag, the American flag. This was a highway mm. full of one flag after another, sister flag. Everywhere you go, and I'm not talking about everywhere you go, it doesn't have to be a municipal building or anything, just anywhere. A mm -hmm. plaza, a park, the, the American flag, the Puerto Rican flag, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel fine now. Because when you first leave the continental USA, you're thinking, you know, anything could happen, you know. But the fact that I didn't have to have uh, a passport, mm -hmm. I didn't have to have a passport, and um, I was 40 years old, and um, when I got to my mother's, when I got to the airport, my sister came to pick me up and my father was with. And the thing with me and my father, I said, we're very close because I, I feel like a clone. The people in the in my neighborhood, everybody, the family, friends, everybody, which my sister looked just like my mother. She acted like my mother and everything. It's very bossy. Um, and I was like, they used to say, you couldn't look more like your father or act like your father if you were a boy because that's how, you know, it was like a chip off the old block, yeah. right? So then um, that's why I wasn't afraid to fly when I went to Puerto Rico for the first time, I wasn't afraid. And um, so I got there, my sister picks me up in the car, and the first thing she asks me is, do I have a license? Now, I never needed a license growing up, so that's the first thing she asks me. Then she doesn't take me straight to my mother's house. She took me to a, a store a grocery store in case I needed to buy any food while I was staying in my mother's house for two weeks. What kind of crap is that? <laughs> I mean, my father looked at her. He's what she says. She's going home to my house. My food, her food. Let's go home. And she was like, oh, no, just in case she needs to buy anything. So I was like, okay, I bought some avocado and some malta, you know, the, the, the drink. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
So finally, we got to my mother's house, and my mother in Puerto Rico, because of, because um, it got as bad as New York, you know, um, and the, everything, the houses are, are gated. Mm -hmm. Like, the oh, the windows here is the way Rebecca has them, and Joe reminds me of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. They have that on the outside, but it's metal, mm -hmm. and it's all like a birdcage. Yeah. And they have a lock with a key. Mm -hmm. to go onto the patio, which is called a Malcasina. Mm -hmm. And everybody hangs out in Malcasina at night because it's cooler. But, um, so I went, and my mother behind these bars, dying to hug me, you know, to, like, give me a hug of it. And she's, like, almost, like, crying, like, hurry up and open this gate, you know. And she gives me a hug and all this stuff, I go inside. And my father's, that white hair, I'll show you a picture of my wedding. Joe's father. I have a picture of me and my dad, and um, the white hair comes from my father. He was totally white at 50, and I was too. Um, my mother never had a white hair or wrinkles on her face. Um, so I, that was my 40th birthday, and I woke up the next day, and um, I said, do you know what day it is? And my father said, yeah, it's your birthday. Oh, you know, <laughs> my father, I see George, Rebecca. I see my mother, my father. Yeah. My my father was just like Joe. He would do anything so my mother wouldn't yell at him. And I see George Rebecca and I go, oh my gosh, he's just like my father. You know, but um, yeah, and my mother said, oh, and she used to say this every single time I was born um, C-section. I was born in what's called the cow. Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, Grandma Nolan. She used to say the Irish um, seamen would buy, would buy the cows from the doulas, the earth ladies, mm -hmm. uh, for protection out at sea. Because uh, supposedly a baby that's born like that has special gifts. Like, you know, they're like, you know, some secret, I don't know. Um, I seen it, I looked up online and I seen it with a baby in that, it's a membrane. Mm -hmm. And they take you out totally. So, um, yeah, and I said, well, I'm 40 years old, so this is my birthday. My mother goes, and she used to say this every year. Oh, I, you're the one I almost died giving birth to. Happy birthday. <laughs> so that was my first trip to Puerto Rico, and I got to see a lot and, and to learn a lot. And um, I went to see my sister, my aunt, Anna, that I was named after her. Um, she, had, she was in home. And then we went to see my tia, Celia, and she was home, and I got to, you know, spend time with her. She had came to New York when I was a teenager for a short period, but um, I got to meet her, and she was a lot like my mother. But um, she called my father Ba, because what happened was once my father and my mother got together after the cup of water, which is kind of like a humble beginning, um, my grandfather owned, it's called Fincas, mm -hmm. which is land, and he had, and the uncles and everything, and um, he, he was uh, Yosemite Sam, remember that character? He was, uh, he, had, he carried a gun, and he had a, a bodega, mm -hmm. and my grandmother took care of the bodega, and then during, there was Hurricane 1930, let's say, Huracan, real bad. So people would just show up half naked, and he would give them work in the fincas to work in the fincas, mm. which is sugarcane. He came in 58. I remember he came 
No, Diana wasn't even born. He came in 50, 55 to visit to New York. He hated it. Um, he bought sugar cane. Now they don't let even a little plant seed pass. Back then he bought sugar cane. He bought what's called ganya from his own property. Mm-hmm. And he bought um, mango. He bought um, aguacate. He bought all kinds of stuff, kenepas and all that. And he stood in New York. He lived with us maybe six months. He didn't like it because it was cold. And my mother went to work, and we used to um, roller skate upstairs. <laughs> roller skate upstairs in the apartment, in the projects. And he didn't like it because we made so much noise. <laughs> and then my mother said, when you come home, you eat your Campbell soup, you know, watch your Mickey Mouse, you know, stay in the room, and it don't, don't make no noise because your grandfather. And then he would say, I... It's a nana. You know, they must be sick. What's wrong with them? My mother said, send the old man back to Puerto Rico. Because <laughs> he was like, really losing it. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, he had those sugar cane things. And um, um, one time a young man was in the field and he cut, he used the cane the sideways and he cut my grandfather's thigh. And my grandmother, my grandfather shot him. And he was a young kid. And my mother said they carried him out alive. So she used to say, he had a temperament. He had a really bad temperament. Mm. And um, those are stories from, that I knew that of, of my, my people in Puerto Rico, how they mm-hmm. were. And um, my grand, my aunt tells me, when I make braids, braids um, she says, I look like a, a grandmother of theirs that had five sons and they had, they lived off the land, they called it fincas. And um, she said, when I made braids, she said, ay, and I'm so glad that you know Spanish. She said, te aparece a mi abuela. Mm-hmm. And I was like, tell me more about her because I knew nothing of the, those people in the past. Mm-hmm. She said she had five sons and um, she was a widow, grown man, and she had fincas fields. And they would, they would be out in the field working and she would get up and she would cook a hot meal, leave it on the stove. She would take a hot bath and go to bed and rest. And they all came in and ate about five or eight sons, you know, bunch of sons, nothing but sons. And they went in the room to wake her up. Mama, mama. And she died asleep, which is what I want to do. I'll break my brain, go to bed, die asleep. She was in her 80s. And she said that I favored her a lot, that I looked like a grandmother a lot. So I don't know, with the braids. And um, I didn't know much about my people. I didn't know much about Puerto Rico. Only those times that I visited a couple of times. And I learned more Mm -hmm. about why we do the things we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask me another question because I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Just the last couple of questions. Um, They're kind of related to what it means to you to be Puerto Rican. And like you know how that affects how you see yourself and that kind of thing. Um, so however you want to answer that is fine. But how do how do I relate it being Puerto Rican in comparison to uh, there's um, there's a saying in Puerto Rico um, they're very tight knit on the island. They have their culture and they, their politics are like every which way but loose. But um, at one time they were they were and they probably the older folks were very much afraid because of what happened in Cuba with Castro. So that anything anything that came way out of left field was like 
comunista, you know, everything was like, uh, you have to be, you know, because they grew up, they was their land, and they lived off their land, and they did very well, and then um, Spanish-American War, you know, mm -hmm. and then I um, remember the Alamo, the whole bit, and then, like Andy was on Paris Treaty, 1891, 7, 1893, um, Puerto Ricans became American citizens, right? But they had nine days, and they, I still see this sometimes, that they were free, totally, like, nobody was over them. Mm. Spain had just walked away, you know, um, turned their backs on them, and they have a lot that I'm, because I didn't grow up on the island, and I didn't grow up in, um, under their, uh, in their schools, mm -hmm. they're, um, they're very patriotic, I'll say that. Patriotic as far as, like I said, the American flag was everywhere. And um, the English and Spanish is in their constitution. And I didn't know that. We don't even have English in our constitution, right? So, um, and they teach English and Spanish because my nephew, that now live in Miami, they, they grew up in the Puerto Rican school systems. They know English and Spanish fluently. Um, so, um, as far as... Um, Know, knowing the language, um, if I if I had been raised in the island, I would have known more about the history of the island. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my sister had taken me to this house of this lady. She was in her 80s, and her house was very sparse. Like if she died tomorrow, all they had to do was you know look for her papers. That's it. Cause she had like one bed, one chair. She made it easier for her family. And she said, she was in her 80s, and she told me, I remember when, um, it was almost like I had one grandmother, one grandmother of my neighbors, and I was like 10 years old, and she was like 90. And she was a toddler, and she said, she remembered, and this is weird, the Spaniards coming in through to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. The Spaniards, she said they were all dressed up in garb, and they would come through the, through the town and all this. And she was a toddler, and now... And she was like 90, 120 something, you know? So it was like, so she remembered that. And then there's another family that has the American flag and they have it in a box with tissues on it and everything like, oh, it's open, you know? And they 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 saw, with certain, I guess in the Navy, when the, if there was a change of hands, that um, all these admirals and everybody came through, that somebody told them, I, let me get your flag. And he gave it to them, and they have it like in a box. So, you know, like, we're Americans, you know? It's like, so, um, yeah. So living on the island would have been totally different than having had grown up in the culture, like, you know, the, like I said, like the meals, the music, mm -hmm. and believing in your heart that you are these people but then you go to the island and it's like they look at you like they call the Puerto Ricans that come from New York, right? Let's say mm -hmm. or from Chicago, wherever, to, to PR to PR. They say, Eso son de afuera. Like they're from the outside. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like there's something wrong with you. Like, uh, you're not hot enough. They touch you and it's like, hey, you're not even you're not even dark enough. Okay, that's another thing. I went somewhere and I had shorts and I wanted to get a tan so bad. So I was so blanca, blanca, right? White, right? So these guys passed by and they made fun of me. They said, 
mira, esa viene de afuera. Like, you know, and I was like, wait up for you, you know, I'm mm -hmm. trying to get a tan. Because I was so white. And they can, they can tell that, okay, they can tell you from the outside because although they're uh, second and third generations, they go back and buy businesses in the San Juan Plaza. I went to, to eat with my mother and they had a menu. They had, you know, the menu. And I said, I... Como se dice? I was running around the island saying, Como se dice? Como se dice? And people were laughing in my face, right? And they were like, relax, you know. So I went into this, in the restaurant, I looked at this, like, and it was something, like, really good, like, arroz with, you know, just, mm. like, real juicy stuff. So I was like, okay, um, like, number five, whatever. So I said, I want, yo quiero esto. Pero, and then I turned to my mother, because I wanted something else. And it was called, um, is pork fat and you, they fry it and it turns crunchy like pork pork mm -hmm. chips it's called chicharron so I said I wanted that rounded up and it just like my, totally my mind when I said pero como se dice and my mother was ready to smack me with the pocketbook like how dare you and the guy turns around he looked like Andy because you don't remember Andy like Andy's age you know he turns around and he said relax we're all second and third generation down here we're all bilingual so he said relax it's okay so Going back in that sense, um, I relaxed, but I was running around the island saying that. I met my sister's friend, and she came to the house. She goes, Millie, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's talking to her. And um, my sister introduced me to her, and then um, I started speaking Spanish. with was like, you know, so to speak. I had to practice. So I said, como esta? Donde vives? And que si okay? Blah, blah, blah. You know, talking in Spanish to her. And then uh, I don't know what I said. And I said, ay, 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 you know, like the words like they'll say for for your it's the meta, the terms are really medical like they'll say olfato mm -hmm. for the olfactory you know yeah. or they'll say um that's the one i remember because i told rebecca enfermera infirmary mm -hmm. nurse is enfermera mm -hmm. instead of nurse so we say lonche inolsa you know like we spanglish it up but they'll say um um, for lunch, they'll say desayuno, um, something else. How do you say lunch in Spanish? Isn't it start with an A? Like, almuerzo? Is that almuerzo. it? Almuerzo. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And then, um, buen provecho, is, I used to think it was buen ap aprovecho, but it's buen provecho. So the guy told me, he said, relax, we're all bilingual here. So if you want, you know, whatever you want to say, my mother was like, if you speak over the English, I'm going to smack you, you know. Mm -hmm. She was like, she wanted me to continuously pick up on it. So, um, yeah, so that was an experience as far as to wherever I went. And um, we went, my, sisters, my sister took us out to different places. She would come early in the morning to take us out on the island, different places, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Plaza de Ponce, Ponce de Leon. This place, that place, and we went into um, one place, and um, there was a waterfall. Mm -hmm. The waterfall, and there was a lot of kids running around, oh, loud and everything. And uh, there was this guy, and he looks like Joel, let's say, mm -hmm. white for the stage, okay. And he was a photographer, he's taking picture, and I said, all these crazy Puerto Ricans, and he laughed, right. 
But and then he kept on taking the pictures of different, you know, doing this and that. And then all of a sudden, I told him, I said, "Mommy, mira, blah 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 blah." And I started talking Spanish, and he totally lost it. He was like, "Oh, so you're one of the crazy Puerto Ricans?" And I was like, "Yeah." And uh, so we went into this one place in this park. This um, it's called a Junque, the rainforest. We own it. It's like it is a beautiful rainforest. I mean, you could see. Things like it's like the earth was cut right when you went in the earth was working on it and it had black red brown green just the layers of the earth and it's um Junque is like a rainforest and it's like the pride of Puerto Rico so um we went and then they had a building we went in and there was a map of Puerto Rico but it was done in wood which Andy would have loved and it had every name of the of the different places of the island hmm. that's another thing okay spanish and spanish and indigenous names and the guys that were there i um it's like um le puedo ayudar and the guy was very much trying to speak spanish with an american accent le puedo ayudar you know that type of thing <laughs> and then it was my turn and i said relax i'm from connecticut and he was and he was in the Navy. There were Navy guys there. And he told us, he showed us around and everything. And so we got to see that area. And um, also the one we were today. And another place, my nephew Aja, Joe's favorite cousin, took us to on the island. Um, and I don't know if Joe was with me, but he took us to um, this court, Hilton, the Hilton Hotel. Well, what was that? And um, I went, we went in, and he said, Etabian, she's with me. You know, like, this is my aunt. I'm showing her around the island. The guy was like, oh, okay. You know, it was a young guy. So he went in the back, and he said like this. He opened the door. It was like, Psh! and you saw El Caribe, the Caribbean Sea, oh, right, with the lounge chairs. Right there. And this was just like for their patrons only, you know. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to show her, okay? I just like that. He's telling you what he's going to do and he's already doing it because mm -hmm. he, he opens the door right so he comes back and he goes um can you give us some like brochures you know because we might be coming in right at <laughs> I was like such a liar so he gives me all these brochures and I said oh you know um guess you're okay whatever and uh I don't know if I said come on say these again or what and he goes relax I'm from Connecticut and I was from Connecticut too, so I was like, oh man, this is great. And I just says, yeah, Didiana, you know, the people in the island, it's all over the place. So everywhere I went, I felt comfortable, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that, you know. But again, like I said, the flag was everywhere, and um, uh, went to Lukio Beach, and yeah, it was, um, it was nice. It was nice finally to see what I had been not only dreaming of, but, um, yeah, dreaming and been told all this, you know. And it was nice, too, that I knew how to read and write Spanish mm -hmm. because I learned when I, when uh, my godparents, then they, they lived in the same area that we did, but he um, won the lottery, the lotto, but it was, um, had the Queen of England all over it. I don't know why, but it was like, Back then, there was no lottery. It was like, oh, hush, hush. Mm -hmm. So he won some money, and he took his family, and he built a home in, in Puerto Rico now. 
He's from a part of the island that's all African. And um, I was reading this book, I, I'm gonna show it to you. It's called People from the Islands. And um, so then I wanted to write to them. I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I read it, wanted to write to them, but I didn't know how to write in Spanish. And I mean, I'm sure that my godmother knew because she was, she, she knew all the black families in the project. So they were, Julia, you know, and everything. So she knew English, you know, and he did too. But to write to them, I want to make a good impression of writing Spanish. So it was via airmail. And so I told my mother, what, what can I, you know, I want to learn. So she said, we had El Diario La Prensa. It was like the Puerto Rican newspaper, right? So she said, read it, read it to me. So I was like, blah, 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 blah. you know, and I read it to her. And she was like, see, she goes, but now why are the punctuations where they are? And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, <laughs> And she said, that you have to, when you learn a language, that helps you to understand, you know. And I was, so she said, so stop writing them a letter. And she taught me, she taught me how to read and write in Spanish from El Diario La Prensa. And then I told Andy, this was Andy, he said, well, I went to college and, you know, and I know Spanish and I went to Spain and, you know, it was bragging. And I said to him, what you learned in college, I learned at my mother's kitchen table. He would get so mad. He would be like, yeah, but the, I learned Castilian. I said, well, I learned from a newspaper that they had to get it right, even the punctuations, you know. And he would get so that he would get, I said, show off, yeah. I said, that's what I'm going to show up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I wrote to them letters, and they wrote back to me and everything. And um, so that helped me mm -hmm. along. And then, like I said, um, the first time I left my neighborhood was, uh, they were busing, and they put they put me in a high school. It was called Christopher Columbus, of all you know, and um, here were the black students. Here were the Puerto Rican students. The whole rest was all white kids, and it was like to me it was like something new because the Italian families had moved out, the Irish had moved out, and. All that was left was this little old Irish lady in the first floor, and she had a whole bunch of cats. And we were like, oh, you remember Mrs. Um, so-and-so, you know? And um, well, her children left her, and they left her there in this, on the first floor and with all these cats. But um, so busing, yeah, took me out of that neighborhood into a residential area, out of the ghetto. And so we would laugh, but it was like, like six of us, we were literally six of us, three girls and three guys, and we're Puerto Ricans, and we'd take the train, and we would go up to uh, this area that, in New York, you've heard of Central Park, right? Mm -hmm. In New York, where you think that, and I always thought that it was the biggest park in New York, because it's huge, it goes for miles and miles. Well, this area was called Pelham Bay, and I just learned the other day that Pelham Bay is bigger um. than Grand Central. <laughs> On uh, that grass central um, than the park that I just mentioned. So, long story short, that having moved that helped me to get away from my family, to get away from that area, mm -hmm. and to see, like, um, there's a saying, there's a book. I forget who wrote it. It was called The Bridge Knows a Future. Mm -hmm. You've heard of that quote? Mm -hmm. And that that's what it taught me. It taught me that I didn't have to stay in that area. Mm -hmm. I, there were other possibilities yeah. outside of the inner city. Mm 
Uh -huh. so, that's the end of my story. <laughs>